0: Warning. This podcast contains strong language, graphic nudity, and depictions of extreme stupidity and is meant only for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Or not, you do you. Hey there everybody and welcome back to the Worst Podcast on Mars, also known as the Black Zigzags, the podcast where we talk about some really 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 good music. I'm Amanda.
1: I'm the How Goblin. Fuck Hemoglobin. We'll <laughs> leave it in. I'll edit it later. Just go. <laughs> I'll do it later.
0: Oh uh, so um before we get started, how are you doing?
1: Yeah. I've been better. I've been worse.
0: <laughs> I
1: did not find a hundred dollars in my pocket and I woke up with all ten of my toes. So it's just kind of a middle of the road kind of day. <laughs>
0: i like that description (laughs) okay um how are you i'm i'm doing well i have a glass of glass of wine so i'm pretty pretty excited for this um you have any corrections from last week we what did we talk about last week we were just talking about this earlier stuff last week was not oh night at the opera yeah no nothing from that
1: no, I don't think so.
0: No. And again, we need more people to reach out to us and call us out on our ship. Um, grievances. Do you have any grievances?
1: No, but I'm guessing by that tone you have one. With yeah. that tone of faith.
0: But do I not have a grievance with you, Evan? I don't know. What have you done lately to make me mad?
1: How much time we you got?
0: <laughs> not, not enough. All right, well, let's... Let's just get started. Um, This week we're doing the White Stripes White Blood Cells. This was released on July 3rd of 2001. Yes, I know. It is almost 22 years old, 21 years old. I can't math. And I don't need to be reminded. They could
1: be able to drink here soon too.
0: Yes. I don't need to be reminded of how old it is or how old I am. So I'm just getting that out of the way right now. And on that Rock and Roll Hall of Fame list that we've been pulling from, it's number 178. So I will, I'll start off with the history of it. Um, this was actually the White Stripes' third album. Jack and Meg White released several singles and two albums in Detroit before this one exploded. Did you know they were from Detroit?
1: I think so, because getting ahead of ourselves, I think Hotel Yorba is actually a real place in Detroit.
0: I think so, too. Um, but So that makes it cool to me, because this is i don't want to say local but a lot closer yeah you know
1: this is probably the closest one to you so far
0: until we get to eminem which i mean it's same one but yeah yeah i don't think we have anybody on the list from toledo but detroit's an hour and a half away so um anyway um so they released several singles and two albums in Detroit before this one just exploded. In the early years of the White Stripes, Jack and Meg, they actually claimed to be siblings. Mm-hmm. But it was later discovered that the duo was actually married and divorced before this album came out.
1: He took her last name.
0: He t- I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. He took her last name. Yep. They just worked really well together. And that's what I think is interesting. They knew what they had. And they knew the relationship wasn't working out. And they decided to keep working together as long as... There there became a point where she said she didn't want to anymore. And that's when, you know, the White Stripes were done. And she just decided to go her separate ways, but... Or their separate ways. But they decided they could make it work together. And, you know, Sonny and Cher did that. They divorced and then they they went on and did their variety show. We will do that. (laughs) (laughs) Keep the podcast going. (laughs) Um this album was a turning point not just for the band not oh my god i have had maybe five sips of wine and i'm really fucking up this is gonna be a fun one hold on to your butts everybody this (laughs) sound
1: effect for emphasis
0: you really grabbed your butt this album was a turning point not just for the band but for jack white specifically the began yup the band became popular because of this album, but allowed Jack to push forward as a musician later on without Meg. Jack's guitar playing was primal and raw, his voice nasal and bratty, and he didn't care about falling in and out of tune. It sounded as though he was, quote-unquote, veering between singing and straining to keep himself from an emotional breakdown. And in my notes, I wrote, same dude, same. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The video for Fell in Love with a Girl helped the band break through into the mainstream. This video seemed as simplistic as the song itself, but it was an animated Lego video of both Jack and Meg playing their instruments. Have you ever watched this video?
1: No, I intended to get it done today. It was
0: so cool at that time. And that spider Jack that I named right before this—it's getting closer to you, by the way. There's so there's a spider that's like creeping down from the ceiling, just hanging down on its little thread from its butt, and it's hovering over Evan. Is he
1: holding on to his butt?
0: Yeah, he's holding on to his butt. Um, it. So when this album came, I I did not find out when the music video came out because a lot of times they'll release a music video before the album comes out. You know, kind of a way to promote it.
1: Well, I have I know when the single came out. If that helps. Hmm. Uh, April twenty third, two thousand two. This album had been out almost a year.
0: Before that came out.
1: Before that came
0: out. That's why I couldn't remember. So this came out like the summer I had graduated high school. I was actually not in the country when this came out. So in the fall, you know, I started college. But I remember a lot of this, and I remember that that that's an iconic music video. So I wasn't I wasn't sure exactly when it came out or like where I was in my life. Um, so anyway, um, the. Two prior albums helped the White Stripes build a reputation in Detroit, and these albums showcase songs heavier in frantic blues rock. Um, It was with white blood cells that the duo found their sound, and it's a sound they stuck with with future albums. I mean, you know, with every artist, they change their sound a little bit along the way, but this is, this is, you had drums, you had lead guitar, And you had a voice there was no bass there was no rhythm guitar no tambourine no keyboards not you know none of that other stuff the
1: one that stands out though is conquest off of icky thump yeah and i i hear that in my head is like okay that's not that's not the same but But, i i don't know enough i think so elephant is after this Mm -hmm. and icky thumps after this isn't there one more after this
0: I think so, but I can't remember And I
1: and I don't know Right them enough.
0: But for the most part that I mean it was just the two of them. So that's for the most part that's that's what you have and
1: There was a uh I don't remember where I saw it, but there was a album called Red Blood Cells that was posted online. Somebody took the album and added bass to it.
0: Mhm. That's cool. Um, my last note here is that this album was a mixture of new tracks as well as a few from Jack's previous band star tabernacle the overall idea was to sound as raw as possible but better than if it was recorded in somebody's living room okay so I'll let you join in
1: I have a couple things um, it may be in the wrong place but that's fine so you said it was what number on the Rolling Stone or on rock and roll list
0: 178
1: as in 2012 it was 497 on rolling stones 500 so it's it's low on these lists but it's still it still made it to both yeah um this is the album that propelled them into early commercial popularity and critical success Mm -hmm. which you kind of touched on um the album was recorded in less than four days
0: that i didn't know
1: to try uh, to try to keep it as unorganized as possible according to Jack.
0: Which makes sense.
1: The record's quick production was intentional in order to get a real tense feeling as well as capture the band's energy.
0: I saw that quote, yeah. yeah.
1: Like, yeah, okay. And I you can,
0: can you can hear it and it works so well.
1: In uh, your
0: face <laughs> right then when I said that proves <laughs> shows to me I'm not going to like your personal review later.
1: Um all this is the first album that they wrote all of the material on because i know on the first couple albums there were some covers like i think um the first one has a bob dylan song on it Mm -hmm. so this like i said this is the first one with that yeah Um, i have some single information it may be in the wrong place but that could lead into your Legacy. legacy okay okay so there were four singles there was Hotel Yorba which was the first single to be released commercially and that was in November so the album had been out for, what five months at this time
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is weird that it was it was kind of like Master Puppets where they waited that long to get any
0: yeah
1: He keeps fucking up okay uh, Fell in Love with, Fell in Love with a Girl it was their first single to reach the alternative chart and it hit number 12 I don't want to look up do i
0: he's getting closer to you
1: well i got something i can throw at him um dead leaves in the dirty ground yeah and we're going to be friends Mm -hmm. we're all released as singles
0: now we're going to be friends no we're not and this is something i need you to look up quick do you have your phone handy okay that was in the opening credits for napoleon dynamite Okay. So, and I know Napoleon Dynamite came out in two thousand two. I'm fairly certain. I think came out. came out
1: in two thousand
0: four. Fairly certain it came out in two thousand two. Anyway. Two thousand four. Two thousand four. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. I was gonna. I was thinking that it would. That's kind of where they, like, that's what helped the album, but it was already out. So I don't know shit about shit. Continue with your points.
1: Um. Again, going into Lexi, I have some charting for you, unless you have that.
0: A little bit. Won't you skip it?
1: Okay. And then I have some, uh, like end of decade, but we'll get to that after your charting. Are you looking at the spider? Yeah, he's
0: right. He's right there. He's like in front of your coffee table. This
1: is an audio medium. They can't (laughs) see where you're pointing.
0: Oh, I see him. So you're in the safety zone.
1: I'm not on the highway to the danger zone. No. Not yet.
0: No. Okay, so moving on to Legos. Legacy. Legos. (laughs) Legos. Legacy.
1: Okay.
0: Um, The album, White Blood Cells, was powerful because it had a DIY sound to it. It was recorded on lo-fi equipment that was used in in the recording process. And the sound turned out to be sort of raw and simplistic in terms of composition, arrangement, and performance rolling stone originally reviewed the album as remarkable praising it for fusing inescapable eerily eternal melodies with dirty ass brain scrambling riffs all right (laughs) the album is noted to be shredding and mellow shouty and mumbly its riffs addicting earworms ones that would tower over everything around it in normal circumstances
1: i did see that review
0: Uncut Magazine compared the band to Led Zeppelin, and Pitchfork noted that the White Stripes summoned the Holy Spirit and channel it through 16 perfectly concise songs. The New York Times added the band made rock rock again by returning to its origins as a simple, primitive sound full of unfettered zeal. White Blood Cells sold more than a million copies in the U.S. alone, and it was named as one of the best albums of 2001 and of the 2000s as a whole. It peaked at number 61 on the Billboard 255 in the UK. It also charted in Australia, Ireland, Norway, and Sweden. And that's the first time I've seen something outside of... Those two? The U's. (laughs) U.S. and U.K. Yeah. And Uruguay? I don't like
1: you. Uruguay, I'm Uruguay, it's okay.
0: (laughs) Uh, Jack and Meg... They had the chance to use a bigger company to release white blood cells, but opted to stay with their current company, Sympathy, as it would allow them to have more freedom and less limitations of having a bigger label. Um, And the name, White Blood Cells, was kind of an attack on the media and the attention they knew they would receive. They treated it as an idea of bacteria coming at them, wondering if the attention was good or bad. So I am done, and as I read some of those out loud... I realize they probably belonged in the history section, but I was also rushing to do these notes, so my bad.
1: Okay, so I have some like year-end, decade-end charts. Yeah. Um, the A.V. Club ranked it as the best album of the decade in its top 50 albums of the 2000s. Okay. Billboard placed the record at number 11 on its top 20 albums of the 2000s. Consequence of Sound, the they had a two thousand nine list of top albums of the two thousands. It was number seven.
0: I I'm sorry. I just realized for the last two points, I'm sitting here shaking my head. Amanda. Uh, audio medium. Audio medium. <laughs>
1: uh, on Mojo, it was the one hundred greatest albums of our lifetime, ninety three to two thousand six. It's number twenty eight. NME, N-M-E, the 100 Greatest Albums of the 2000s, it was number 19. Uh, Pitchfork's Top 200 Albums of the 2000s, it was number 12. Rolling Stone, Top 100 Albums of the 2000s, it was number 19. That doesn't make any sense. That that list was apparently released in 2002. Go figure that one out. And then the Rolling Stone 500, which I told you. Uh, Slant Magazine, top 250 albums of the 2000s, it was number 68. And Spin had top 100 albums of the last 20 years, so 85 to 2005. Mm-hmm. It was number 57. And then the one uh, 125 best albums of the past 25 years in 2010, so it would have been 85 to 2010. It was number 87 and then I have two reviews I have one from 2001 that I want to read a couple things Um, it's been a long time since I've wanted to hear an album every day let alone more than once a day sure to make these review deadlines I often have to listen to a record daily but in so many cases it's a chore that's not the problem with white blood cells In fact, the problem now is finding time for the next album to review. All I want to do is listen to The White Stripes. Uh, The closest thing to a dud on this record is We're Gonna Be Friends. What?
0: No, I'm just thinking about your mess-up earlier, Hemoglobin and Hobgoblin, and I'm not even sure if you did that on accident or on purpose. Yes. (laughs) Keep it in. Never mind. Continue. Continue.
1: Uh, it's hard to know at this point in the game where they'll where they'll head from here, but what matters is right now and right now I wanted to listen to this album again
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then I found a review actually from last year for their twentieth anniversary um, Do you know what the twentieth anniversary had with it
0: it was It was a deluxe and it had oh shit I read it they had some i can't remember all the extras but it had a lot of extras uh
1: we get the entirety of a performance at detroit's gold dollar in 2001 in which they played the album front to back just a few days after its release
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: okay Okay. uh the new review asks were they a groundbreaking garage revival act that created a ripple effect in rock music Were they highly pretentious rip-off artists, wholesale stealing sounds from black artists, and getting huge off the aesthetic they pilfered? Were they just a very good band? Are they all of these things at once? Even 20 years after their still unfuckwithable breakthrough? uh, Though the argument can easily be made for Day Still being that flashpoint. I think that's how you say that, right? Mm -hmm. Flashpoint? Yeah into the wider audiences that would grow to associate them with sporting events and Lego animation, the answers are still unclear.
0: So that, Day Still, is the album that came out right before this. Okay. But what you said makes sense, like, because every goddamn university, including my beloved Buckeyes, the Ohio State University, they open, well, OSU, they do it every time they kick off and they play seven nation army like the beginning of seven nation army and everybody is bouncing in the fucking stands and like you but you see it in all colleges
1: but that was after this album
0: right but that's what okay but like, your point was it's everywhere
1: yeah well it's saying that it was either this or they still that was off of elephant oh, okay yeah, that was like two years later.
0: Gotcha. That's
1: steal. where I I thought oh, as as you're going, I can kind of see the, I can see the wheels turning. I can okay. smell the smoke, and I'm thinking, okay, that's where she's going with this. She's gonna be wrong. I'm gonna let her go, and then I'm gonna call her out on it, so nobody else has to do that in our corrections for next week. Okay, it's already been addressed.
0: Yeah, keep going.
1: Uh, it contains "fell in love with a girl," maybe still the Stripes' best song.
0: That is good. Have you ever listened? To, I should have given gaven? Hi, I'm done with my wine now, and it's hitting hard. I should have given you. Um, have you ever heard Josh Stone's cover of, of "Fell in Love with a Girl"? I don't believe so. It is so good. Oh God, I love it. It's it's a slow. It she doesn't change any of the words, and it's a slow, slow down version. It's so good. But okay, continue.
1: Okay. Uh, the White Stripes have always been the subject of fierce debate over whether they lose anything in just being a guitarist and drummer, but it's easy to glide through the entirety of white blood cells without ever remembering that you don't have more.
0: You know, I, I thought that too. I saw that quote, and when I listened to it for this, I, I could not tell. I mean, I mean, yeah, bass is obvious, but...
1: Well, not, not as obvious as you think, because when I hear master of puppets i have trouble picking out the bass in that Mm -hmm. i have i can when i listen to iron maiden i can hear the bass because it's a very distinct sound Mm
0: -hmm.
1: but most music the bass isn't as noticeable yeah so i'm not sure if you would if they'd added bass to it how I, much different it would have sounded.
0: I guess I should have worded it as when I was listening to it I couldn't tell that there was anything missing.
1: Okay yeah that makes more sense.
0: It was good.
1: Uh, this is the most powerful version of the band.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, this whole package, so this is the deluxe album, this whole package the album and its live counterpart is the best snapshot of the band as they were. A very good rock duo with a very specific aesthetic and sound making the music they wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. Anything else is just fluff. Yeah. That's a fun word, fluff.
0: Our cat's fluffy. He's Not anymore. Of, he's got a lot of fur. No, more real fluffy died, but the one that's left behind is still super fluffy.
1: It's so lovely I'm gonna die. <laughs> okay, so reviews.
0: Personal reviews. Yep. You first. Uh, I will guess. Are you gonna guess me? Yep. All right.
1: Okay, so you kept Hotel Yorba. Okay. Fell in love with a girl. Okay. Little room.
0: Okay.
1: And we're going to be friends. Okay. And I'll say a B plus
0: Okay. before I give my review, I would like to ask a question. okay. Do you know anything about me?
1: No. I know that clearly. you played a yellow saxophone.
0: <laughs> clearly, clear, clearly. I'm keeping every goddamn song, every one of them I absolutely love this album the whole thing beginning to end was so great and it's the exact kind of music i love it's not just reminiscent of the early 2000s but it's still everything the review said it was it's raw and simple yet yeah, something that is still so awesome today before this i i knew some of the main songs i knew um dead leaves on the ground and hotel yorba and um, fell in love the girl we're gonna be friends i knew those um after this Oh my God, I just fucking loved it all. I'm going to... I listened to it twice. I've not done that for any of these. I listened to it twice. In order... I didn't skip any song. In order. A plus. You're wrong. You don't know anything about me.
1: I'm going to make another observation. What? That I could be entirely wrong about. This is... Based on the time that it was released and the age that you were, this is your never mind. Yeah, it's it's that raw 18. kind. Of, it's that raw kind of sound, and it's it's very reminiscent of a of a time frame. Yep, and it it brings you to a this state of mind that you had.
0: It's nostalgia. It's nostalgia, but not not quite because it's still still so good. It doesn't it doesn't have the early two thousand sound. You know, like so you can hear some songs and be like, "Oh, that's an '80s song," or that, you know, it doesn't have that s- distinct sound. But yeah, that I was 18, and this is right when I was really finding my stride with what I enjoyed, and so I fell in love with this and Fall Out Boy and Mike Chem and uh, Jet and
1: I remember Jet.
0: Yeah, like so, like oh my god, I loved it okay (laughs) continue
1: so my review of it okay so what songs did i keep
0: um dead leaves on the ground no hotel yorba yep i'm gonna say fall in love with a girl yep you are not keeping we are going to be friends it's too slow for you okay am i right or wrong
1: you are correct it's not it's not too slow i mean i've had i have slow stuff but it's
0: aluminum no that's aluminum for not tipsy mango speak amanda speak (laughs) hi um i don't know what else did you keep
1: i think i smell a rat
0: yeah that was a good one
1: okay and my letter grade
0: okay look at look at me make eye contact with me be serious i'm reading your face Reading your eyes now. You gave it a B minus. You're close. Just a B.
1: You're going the wrong way.
0: You gave it a C.
1: And I'll tell you why.
0: Oh my god, I'm gonna die. I know. I'm gonna be super dramatic on this couch right now. Oh my god.
1: I, and I gave you a couple things to listen to for homework, which I'm going to reference. I don't like the sound of it. I don't have a problem with the songs. I don't like the audio quality. I understand what they're going for, and in that regards, they hit their they hit their quality. But it's it's very reminiscent of the first Metallica album, the first Iron Maiden album. There's a it sounds like it's underwater. Like you can you can this sound you mean
0: like our first few episodes of this podcast?
1: Yes. It sounds like it was in a garage. When you hear like this is one of those, this is the this is an album that the neighbors are playing. Like they're just jamming in their garage, which is fine. I mean, that's the sound they were going for. But that sound didn't speak to me. So had it been, let's assume let's just, let's leave the instruments and let's leave all of that the same. And let's put it at Green Day with a more, again, like it, it's kind of, or like the blank kind of that same kind of time frame, that same style of sound. But a more polished sound, it probably goes up to a B. Like, I, I does that make any sense?
0: I can't fault you for liking what you like and not liking what you don't like.
1: I like the songs. I just don't like the way they sound.
0: That makes sense. Yeah, it, I don't it, like it. There's a there's a
1: sound sense. quality issue that I have. Like I, I like Whiplash off the first Metallica album. I like that song. I don't like the way it was recorded. Even on the remaster, it's still to me it just sounds awful. The first Iron Maiden album, it just sounds. And that may be more of the style. It may have been more towards like a punk rather than the metal, but it doesn't sound as good as their later albums. Um, I did give you another one, The Monks. Did you listen to that album? I did. Is that what this sounds like?
0: Some of it. So as, okay, so I listened to that. What was the album?
1: Black Monk Time.
0: So starting out, I I could hear how it sounded like The White Stripes, but then I also heard, like, a little Metallica and a little Bowie, a little bit of Muse. That's a
1: weird album.
0: It was weird. That's all.
1: I'll and get it. As
0: it as it went on, I'm like, this isn't. This isn't. Did Evan forget what episode we were doing? Because I, part of me was a little confused. But
1: no, it's uh, okay. The Monks were an American garage rock band formed in West Germany in 1964. Uh, assembled by five american g i s uh, stationed in the country the one album that they released was black monk time in sixty six and it was started like i think it was labeled as um what did i see proto punk so like early punk ish i and i could hear the, that i could hear part of this in that i could hear them, i could hear 'em both that make sense yeah so, as an album, it's not bad as a pro- the production, which, in, while intended, is what brings it down for me.
0: Okay, you like your music to be pristine. Okay. Well,
1: I liked the, uh, the fan recording of Cliff Burton's last show with Metallica. I listened to that the other day, and it, that sound quality is awful. But it, there's an there's an energy to it.
0: But you're also a fan of Metallica, so it leans you closer to it... liking it in the first place. I was already a fan of Jack White, so I, yeah, I leaned closer to li- already liking this. Did you
1: know he formed a new band with Jack Black?
0: Is it called the Box of Crayons? No. Jack's Box of Crayons? Jack that, in the Box. That would be a great <laughs> thing. Um. Anyway.
1: Yeah. So. Anything else to say? C C plus, in that range. But like I said, it, it's just a, it's just a production standpoint, and I like I said, I understand that that's what it's supposed to sound like. But.
0: All right. So I'm moving on to my final thoughts.
1: Uh yes.
0: So like I just said. I'm a fan of Jack White overall. I've loved everything I've ever heard from the white stripes and the tours and also his solo stuff.
1: I didn't like the um song for Quan Gonzalez. I think that's him and Alicia Keys. Yes. I don't remember liking that song. Yeah, that was like, I don't think anything was I good about it. that movie.
0: Um I've never heard anything by the Dead by Dead Weather that I'm aware of, but I've liked i like everything that he's done one of my favorites is his cover of um dolly parton's jolene
1: i think that's a bonus track on like a like a japanese bonus track on this album
0: yeah it's it's good it is a live version um and it's it's raw it is very raw but it's it's good i love it um there hasn't been a piece of his work that i haven't liked this album was where it all started, and you can tell how much talent Jack has in just one listen. I leave Meg out of it. She's very good, but it made, the focus is on Jack. I loved it. Yes. I
1: would have, I, I, forgot a, I forgot a piece in the original review that I saw. Okay. Uh, There's no denying that the White Stripes fall within the confines of the garage rock band. Their music is simple, stripped down, and it howls the blues. But despite its simplicity, there's something here that goes so much deeper. Jack White's mangled guitar screams like a rabid cat fight, its strings massacred to the point of snapping. Meg White's kit is bashed with such force you'd imagine her as some kind of incredible Hulk.
0: Have you ever seen them? I think so. Like, I'm not talking like I've never seen them in concert, but just watch them play. She beats the shit out of those drums. Like, she just. Oh my god god she she's a beast
1: and i read something about it it's like a it's very primitive i think is the word that yeah. i saw mm-hmm. like i can but like i imagine the beginning of 2001 with the monkeys just beating the shit out of something with just finding a random bone just beating the shit out of it and i can imagine that that's what she was like and perform performing
0: yeah yeah so um your final thoughts
1: no. No thoughts. There's no thoughts up here.
0: Alright, so we're skipping over resources for right now and we're just going to recommendations?
1: Yes, because I'm going to have you read something once you get done with yours.
0: With my recommendations? Yes. Um, Let's see. I always fail at this thinking I can come up with something right on the spot. Stranger Things is good. I think you should check that out. But by the time this comes out the second part will already be out. Watch all of Stranger Things. That's all. What are your recommendations?
1: Okay. So, we're going to play a fun game.
0: Oh, your definition of fun and my definition of fun are two very different okay. things.
1: I'm going to do the jigsaw. The That's what you wanted last time.
0: Uh-huh. Do you want to play a game? That did not work as well as I hoped it would. No, it did not.
1: <laughs> okay. So, recently... I've gotten back into Glory Hammer. They have three albums out. And it, they are all concept albums and they all flow together. So I don't think there's a definitive name. So I'm calling it the Angus McFife Trilogy.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: So I'm going to give you the, on the Wikipedia page, there's the story of the album. Like, I, I, it explains the concept of it. Okay. I am going to give you all three album stories.
0: How long? Three? How long are they?
1: That's like two pages.
0: That's gonna take forever. We can always cut it out. It won't take that long. Alright. So, Evan just handed me this tablet. And I'm supposed to read. It and as you were walking back to your seat there are words i cannot pronounce in this evan do it as close as you can and you need to laugh into the microphone instead of doing what you did last time huh. uh. Instead of doing what you did last time and just silently cracking up while i read the bob dylan liner notes Ugh. okay so this first one tales from the kingdom of fife what is this the what's what's the trilogy you said
1: the angus mcfife okay. trilogy <clears throat>
0: In a fantasy version of 10th century Scotland, as previously foretold, the evil wizard, are you kidding me, Zargothrax, yep. invades and conquers Dundee with an army of corrupted undead un- unicorns kidnapping the princess Iona McDougal. McDougal, my bad, there's a U in that. The prince of the kingdom of Fife, Angus McFife, swears revenge. In a dream, he has a vision of three artifacts that will allow him to defeat Zorger- Zor- Zagrothax, Zethrax is what I'm going to start calling him, and sets off on a quest to acquire them. McFyfe first battles north to obtain a magical Warhammer that- is that the the video you just showed me? Okay. Warhammer then travels to Strathclyde to acquire a golden dragon as his steed. Inspired by memories of McDougal, who is imprisoned by Zethrax and is- that sounds like a disease now. In a prison of ice, MacFife rides his dragon to Loch Rannoch and retrieves the amulet of justice from its depths, completing his quest for the three artifacts. Aligning with the powerful knights of Crail, MacFife travels through K- Cowdenbeath. Yes. To confront Zethrax in his stronghold. Does that bother you that I'm shortening to the Zethrax? Zargothrax. Zargothrax. As the knights battle with the wizard's forces in the fields of. Dunferm, Dunfermline. McFife and the ba- the barbarian warrior of Unst sneak into the castle through dwarven tunnels, aided by the hermit Ralathor, meeting Zargothrax in single combat. McFife defeats the wizard and casts him into a frozen pool of liquid ice. He then uses the Amulet of Justice to free the princess and the unicorns, restoring to balance the kingdom of Fife.
1: Okay, that is the first album.
0: Album two space 1992 rise of the chaos wizards i am a chaos wizard (laughs) In 1992, a millennium after the events of Tales from the Kingdom of Fife, the evil wizard Zargothrax remains in cryogenic sleep, imprisoned on Triton and guarded by the Space Knights of Krail. A cult of unholy chaos wizards plot his release and attack Triton, defeating the knights and freeing Zargothrax, who promised to terrorize the galaxy. The intergalactic warrior prince Angus McFife, the... 13th... (laughs) Descendant of the original Angus MacFife sets out to thwart him once again, wielding the powerful Hammer of Glory. Now I have that song in my head. Fuck you, you motherfucker. Passed down through generations from the original Angus MacFife, renamed through its 1,000 years to the legendary Astral Hammer, Zagrothrax seeks out the Goblin King. David Bowie's in this? Mm-hmm. Who gives him the crystal key to a secret portal to hell that lies on earth beneath Dundee. Meanwhile, MacFife is joined by the legendary Hollywood Hoots hootsman, the Reformed Knights of Crail, led by Sir Prolatius, and Triton Survivor Sir Regulon, and the quest lords of Inverness. Both the allied forces and Zargothrax's demonic army prepare for battle in the skies above Mars. As the opposing forces clash with heavy casualties for McFife's allies, Zargothrax returns to Earth, it, where, in the caverns beneath Dundee, he begins a ritual to unleash the hellish elder god, what the fuck, Korverliath, vir upon the galaxy. Hmm. <laughs> Warned of the danger by the hermit Ralathar, the Hootsman speak- speeds back to Earth and detonates his body, neutron star heart, vaporizing the planet and stopping the ritual just in time. Foiled. Foiled? That's like Scooby Doo shit. F- oh, those kids foiled my plans. Foiled, the furious Zargothrask escapes into another reality through the ensuing chaotic space time pursued closely by Angus McFife, the 13th. Yes. End of disc two. Okay,
1: disc three. This is where it starts getting fun. It was already fun, but this is where it starts getting more fun, fun. for you uh-huh.
0: and fun for nobody else. I guarantee it. Legends from beyond the galactic terror vortex. Terror vortex. This is a long one. After Earth was destroyed by the Hootsman, in order to stop Zargothrax from summoning the Elder God Core Bir- Viralith, Zargothrax. Zar Zethrax fled the wormhole that was opened. As a result, Angus MacFife the Thirteenth followed him, followed him into the wormhole. And upon reaching the other side, he discovered a terrible alternate reality. Zargothrax has corrupted this reality and is slaughtering the peasants of the world. Angus attempts to stop Zargothrax, but quickly finds that the Hammer of Glory has no power in this dimension. While Angus flees, Zargothrax proclaims himself the Emperor of this land, commanding the corrupt, dread lord Sir Prolet. Prolit- Sir P. and the Death Knights of Krayal to slaughter more peasants in Octor Did I say that right? I don't know. Do you speak German? No. You didn't cough. Angus McFife is told about a resistance far north in the land of the unicorns. Upon reaching the resistance he is met by Ralathor the hermit of Cowdenbeath now known as submarine commander Ralathor. He really changed his name there. Rall Thor tells Angus that he needs to charge his hammer by bringing it to the sun of this world, and to do this, he must find the legendary enchanted (laughs) jetpack. What? (laughs) Angus quests away to acquire the jetpack and uses it to fly into outer space, where he recharges his legendary hammer of glory. Returning to Fife, the Resistance gathers aboard the flying submarine, the DSS Hoots Force, they head to Dunkeld, and engage the forces of Zethrax. As the solar conjunction draws close, although Ralothor is able to wipe out P and his death knights, Zargothrax proclaims that there is nothing they can do to stop his ascension to godhood, that a mighty hero with a holy armor made made from wolf descends from the heavens. This hero is soon revealed to be the Hootsman, who was not killed in the explosion, but was instead merged with the fabric of reality and became a god in this universe. The Hootsman yells to Zargothrax that he is the only he is the one and only true god of this universe, and with his power combined with the Hammer of Glory, they defeat Zargothrax forever. However, as Zargothrax fail falls to liquid dust liquid dust?
1: Well there was liquid ice earlier, but continue.
0: That makes more sense than liquid dust, because ice was once water, which was a liquid, and I I don't understand. Angus McFive realizes he was impaled, oh no, by the knife of evil and will soon be left to the same fate that Sir P was left to. Realizing that he would soon turn for the worse, Angus McFife ends his own life in the raging fires of Mount Shkhalion. Sh- 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 Shkhalion, that's what I'm saying. As Angus dies, there is a mysterious Morse code transmission reading out, activate Zargothrax clone Alpha 1, implying that the Battle of Fife is not over just yet. Why did I read this?
1: So that is my recommendation. If that sounds appealing to you, oh my God. go look up those three albums because they are very entertaining. <laughs> it's kind of like a uh, power metal kind of thing. Yeah, it's fun.
0: It sounds fun. I, the way I quickly read through that, that sounded fun. Super fun. <laughs> He just gave me a thumbs
1: up. Audio medium.
0: Um, so back to sources? Yes. You want to go first?
1: Okay. So I took your advice from the last episode.
0: What was that advice?
1: To cite all of my sources.
0: Oh, that wasn't just from the last episode, buddy. That's been whole goddamn thing.
1: Okay. So I have the 20th anniversary review from Spectrum Culture. The White Stripes, White Blood Cells by Holly Hazelwood on October 21st, 2021. I have White Blood Cells, White Stripes review from August 23rd, 2001 on Pitchfork. I could not find an author. I have the Wikipedia page for the White Blood Cells album. I have the Wikipedia page for The Monks. I have the Wikipedia page for Tales from the Kingdom of Fife.
0: Are you kidding? I have the
1: Wikipedia page for oh. Space 1992, Rise of the Chaos Wizards.
0: Guess who waited to the last minute to do his notes, so he's using wiki as 100% of his sources.
1: I had the Wikipedia page from oh Legends from God. Beyond the Ter- Galactic Terror Vortex. You wanted me to cite everything, so I cited everything. Do you regret telling me to do that
0: I regret a lot of things are you done maybe are you you I will
1: I'll let you go are you done I'll let you go
0: well if you're not done do finish yours I'll let (sighs) go thank you to moo (laughs) I'm going to throw this empty wine bottle at your face Thank you to the White Stripes, White Blood White Blood Cells on High Voltage Records, could not find an author. Thank you to the White Stripes, celebrate twentieth anniversary of White Blood Cells with Deluxe digital digital <laughs> <Didgeridoo>. <laughs> Digital album and HD Audio Remasters. Published uh June twenty fifth, two thousand twenty one, with no name on legacy recordings.com. Was it a horse? It might have been. Do you know what that song's about? Drugs. Cocaine. Yeah. Um. Thank you to the White Stripes, White Blood Cells by Holly Hazelwood, published October twenty first, twenty twenty one on SpectrumCulture dot com. Now who's
1: a source dealer? <laughs> I,
0: you can you can think if you used it and I used it, it should serve. It should get two thank yous. Um. Thank you to. It should get
1: two sober thank yous. <laughs>
0: Thank you to We Fell in Love with the White Stripes on White Blood Cells by Kaz Tran, published uh, June 28, 2021 on abc.net.au. Um, thank you to 20 Years Ago, Why White Stripes Made White Blood Cells as Raw as Possible, published by Corey Irwin on July third, twenty 2021 on ultimateclassicrock.com. And thank you to 20 Years Ago, the White Stripes White Blood Cells Got Our Garage Rocks Heart Rock Hearts Beating, uh, published by Jordan Bloom on... June 30th, 2021 on Consequence.net. So are we ready for our uh, day in history? Sure. (laughs) So today is June 9th. In 1963, the Beatles finished up their tour with Roy Orbison. Do you know what he's famous for? What song he's famous for, Evan? Do you know what song that is?
1: Yeah, he was part of the Traveling Wilburys.
0: Do you know what song he's famous for?
1: Ain't talking about love.
0: It's a it's a movie, starring Julie Roberts and Richard Gere. Oceans
1: Eleven.
0: Richard Gere is not in Oceans Eleven.
1: I don't think Julie Roberts was either. I know she yes, was in, she was. She was. Yeah. I know she was in Twelve because she played herself.
0: She was in Eleven.
1: Okay. It's pretty, Oceans Ten.
0: Pretty Woman. Fuck off. Um, anyway, so Beatles finished up their tour with Roy Overson performing at King's George King, George's Hall, Blackburn, Lancashire. At this last performance, fans started throwing jelly babies on stage after George Harrison made a brief remark about eating them. What? I did not look up what jelly babies are. I'm assuming it's a candy. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna look that up while I continue.
1: Yes, jellied or jelly
0: Jelly. Like, Jelly Bellies, but instead of bellies, it's babies.
1: Okay, continue. In
0: 1967, Pink Floyd played two gigs in one day, one at the College of Commerce in Hall and the other at the UFO at at the Barney Club, Tottenham Court Road in London. In 1973, Elvis Presley made entertainment history by performing four sold-out shows at Madison Madison Square Garden. In attendance were George Harrison, John Lennon, David Bowie, Bob Dylan, and Art Garfunkel. Okay. What are your jelly babies?
1: Jelly babies are a type of soft sugar jelly sweets in the shape of plump babies, sold in a variety of colors. And I'd like to thank my source of Wikipedia for allowing me to find that. I want to
0: see. I want to see. I want to see. Show me a picture. So like, gummy bears, just little children that you can legally eat.
1: (laughs) More like Sour Patch Kids.
0: Yeah. Okay um in july no we're not in july yet june 9th 1972 bruce springsteen signed with columbia records and started to form the e street band 1978 the rolling stones released their first studio album with ronnie wood which was called some girls the cover featured stones and drag alongside f- female celebrities and, and and oh my god and lingerie ads Because of this, Lucille Ball, Farrah Fawcett, Raquel Welch, Liza Minnelli, who had represented her mother, Judy Garland, and the estate of Marilyn Monroe, threatened legal action.
1: Okay, so who are all those? Lucille Ball.
0: Okay. You know who she is? Yeah. Farrah Fawcett. Uh, Raquel Welch.
1: I think she did something with... I want to say Planet of the Apes, but I don't think that's right.
0: I don't... Maybe... Um, she was on the poster in Shawshank, the one that he was hiding the hole behind. Yeah.
1: He was sticking his finger up her hoo-ha to to break, to go through the wall.
0: John, um, Liza Minnelli, Liza with a Z. Uh,
1: Cancer? No, Mama.
0: Mom was Judy Garland, but Liza's famous in her own right.
1: I know, Mike Em.
0: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah um and the estate of Marilyn Monroe. Okay. In 1984, Cindy Lauper started a 2-week run at number 1 with Time After Time. In 1990, MC Hammer's debut album started at 21 started a 21-week stay at the top of the charts. A recording break a recording breaking feat record-breaking feat (laughs) i was like why does this not make sense it was a record-breaking feat this was the longest uninterrupted stay at the top since the album charts started um 1990 wilson phillips went to number one in the u.s with hold on you would recognize it they were they were big in the 90s
1: no there's another song i know
0: okay 25 years earlier, Wendy and Carney's father, Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys, was at number one with Help Me Rhonda. So I thought that was a little interesting thing. Did you follow that?
1: Yeah, I heard you.
0: 1994. After an argument, TLC singer Left Eye Lopez set fire to her boyfriend's mansion in Atlanta worth $2 million and burned it to the ground. She was charged with arson, fined $10,000, and was given five years probation. In 1998, the Ronettes appeared in the Supreme Court of New York for a lawsuit against producer Phil Spector. The group claimed that Spector had breached their 34- excuse me, year-old contract by not paying royalties since 1963. They the, They originally won the case, but the Court of Appeals overturned the decision in 2002, noting that their contract was still binding. And in 2007... George Michael became the first music artist to perform at the new Wembley Stadium in London. Okay, moving on to birthdays.
1: Birthday.
0: (laughs) I was like, he looks bored. He's not enthused at all. And as soon as I opened my mouth to say something about that, you literally did the raise the roof thing.
1: Because it's an audio medium and they can't see.
0: (laughs) Oh my God. Okay cole porter again this okay june 9th cole porter do you know the name
1: 21
0: you're saying 1921 you are way off
1: 1821
0: but for those who don't know he's an american composer and songwriter his most successful musical was kiss me kate okay. um
1: i gave you my new guess
0: 1891 that was close. I think that's the first one in the 1800s we've had.
1: Uh, I'd have to go back and look, but I don't think so. I you think would we'd... know
0: this one. Les Paul.
1: When did those start?
0: He's the American guitarist. He, he's an American guitarist and pioneer of close miking, which I had to read that six times because they spelled it M-I-K-I-N-G, and I thought it said close milking.
1: <laughs> I'll milk you.
0: And echo delay recording, ignoring that comment. But there's guitar. There's a style of guitar named after him. Les Paul.
1: Yeah, he, he was one of the inventors of like the modern electric guitar. Yeah, yeah. And I'm trying to remember when that was. I think that was in the 50s. So I would say early teens.
0: 1915. Jackie Wilson. American soul singer with hits in the late 50s and 60s. Offhand, I didn't... I don't know any of his hits, but I know... I recognize the name. 16. 1934. John Lord. Nope. Keyboardist with Deep Purple.
1: Okay, I don't... I don't know which... I don't know if he was... Do you know which mark he was? Mark 1, Mark 2? No. Okay. I was going to say, because that would help me kind of what lineup he was in. Um...
0: Well, you know it's after
1: 1934. I know. I'm going to guess he wasn't one of the originals, like in the original version. I'm going to guess it was like Mark II. So that would have been, I'd say, 45.
0: 41. George Bennell.
1: Nope.
0: Member of psychedelic rock band Strawberry Alarm Clock.
1: I know that name. Incense and Peppermint. Yep. Yeah, it was late 60s. Surprised? A little bit. I haven't heard that song in 15 years. So I, I had to look it up for somebody. Um So 44?
0: 49. Trevor Bowler. Nope. He is the bass player for two different bands, one's Uriah Heep, which I've never heard of.
1: Yeah, um Papa's a big fan of him. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he he brings them up all the time.
0: And mm. Spiders from Mars.
1: I don't know that one.
0: Yes, you do. Dumb- Dumbass!
1: Yeah, I know Uriah Heap. I, I haven't gotten a chance to listen to him. That's late 60s. So, what was the last one? 45? 49. 49. So, 52?
0: 50. Peter Gill. English drummer formerly of Saxon and Motorhead.
1: Okay, so that would have been that was before Motorhead, like big. I'm trying to think of who that, I think that was The Filthy Animal. So that would have been 81. So it was probably early to mid-70s. So 54? 54?
0: 51. Dean Felber. He's the bassist for Hootie and the Blowfish. 62. 67. Ed Simons. Nope. Keyboardist from the Chemical Brothers.
1: I've heard of him, but I don't know. I I can't tell you a time frame for him. So I'll say 68.
0: 67. That was close. Nope. 70. That was my bad. Still close. And my last one is Matthew Bellamy. Muse? Yep. Guitar, vocals, and keyboards for Muse.
1: When did they start? It started in the 90s. Did they really? I think so. Um, I'll look it up here in a second. 73?
0: 78. That's the last one I have. So, uh, anything you want to say before I take us out because we both know you're not going to do it?
1: Well, hold on. I'll look at... Uh...
0: Are you actually going to help me do it this time?
1: No, but I'm looking to see when Muse's first album was. Um, they were formed in 94.
0: Huh. Maybe uh, they're their,
1: that long. their debut album was in
0: 99. Hmm. Okay. So, thank you for listening. I'm sorry that I drank.
1: And I don't, don't really know how to speak.
0: Th- but I
1: think that's not related to alcohol. I think you have a problem with that in general.
0: Um. Find us on Instagram at Evan. What is it? Help me. You're not going to help me.
1: Nope. You got yourself into this mess.
0: you the one who wanted to do the podcast.
1: You're the one who wanted to get married. Oh. This is your fault.
0: That's that just opens up a can of worms okay um so find us on instagram at Mars. find us on twitter at Mars, and send us an email at worstpodonmars at gmail.com um say hi please listen rate us you can't you can't leave a review on spotify but you know if you email us a review well, not we I won't say we because I do all the work I'll Bullshit. read it you do 5% of the work I'll read it
1: I'll read it too
0: i'll read it on on the show
1: oh Oh. you're gonna be fancy about it
0: yeah i'm gonna be fancy um what if
1: it's a lot of swears and dick pictures then what are you gonna do
0: i will say the swears because we are an explicit show i don't know if you heard this but in multiple episodes i've told you to fuck off fuck off into the sun called you a motherfucker asked you if your mom knew anything about abortions asked if we could feed you to a pig and I'm sure a slur of other things. Because what are we, we... going
1: to call the pig? Did we ever come up with a name for it?
0: Amy Swinehouse. <laughs> or if it was a boy, what was it? You had a boy's name that I liked. Carl. <laughs> I am sticking with Amy Swinehouse. Um, but, uh... I don't remember what I was going to say because we started talking about the pig. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Dick picks. Um... Please don't. I'll take pictures of your animals. There's a, so there's a podcast I listen to that's spooky, and they they say we're bottoms for pet photos, <laughs> and I crack up every damn time. <laughs> it makes me so fun. It makes me so happy. It makes me laugh. It's so funny.
1: I do want to see pictures of your rat snakes, though. Yeah. I want a
0: rat snake. Evan likes ferrets, and I keep saying no. Anyway, that's enough about us. Enough of this episode. I'm tired. I'm hungry. Per usual. We'll see you next week where we're going to talk the Beatles, the White Album. See ya, bye It's
1: not the White Album.